Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad you are here. Welcome, welcome. Hello. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger from dancefish.com. We're glad to have you here on this Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 9 p.m. Eastern. We do this every week at this time, and we're glad to have you with us. Thanks for being here. Tonight, we're going to do the typical shipment report. We're going to do a giveaway of some peacock gudgeons, and we'll get to your questions and comments. Um, the, before I do that, though, I'm just going to double check that audio is good. I'm assuming it is. Not seen any. Not seen anyone saying it's fuzzy. Cool. Um, shipment report this week will be super easy. Audio is good, says Candy. Thank you, Candy, for letting me know. Because we didn't ship anything over the Christmas kind of week, so nothing died since I saw you last. But we also didn't ship anything, so. 100%. I'll take the win. <laughs> um, as far as that goes, that's done. The giveaway tonight is for peacock gudgeons. For those who have not tried this fish yet, this is one of my favorites. These are beautiful little fish, make, in my experience, make great community fish. Um, they're, every now and then, you'll hear someone talk about their peacock gudgeons being aggressive or something. Um, I've never experienced it. So I'm curious. I know a lot of folks in here keep peacock gudgeons. I'm curious if you've had any issues with that. For me, they've always been peaceful and ideal community fish. They might bicker a little bit among each other, um, as any fish does. You know, they establish their little hierarchy and say, get away from me. I'm not in the mood to talk to you and all that stuff, right? It's just like a small town. Um, But I've also not kept them long-term in small numbers. I tend to keep lots of them together in a big tank. So I don't know if I only had like two and a 10 gallon, would they queue in on each other and be really aggressive? I've never uh, kept them that way. So I'm curious what other people think. But in my experience, it's always been an ideal community fish. They get, the internet says they top out at about three inches. I've never seen them bigger than say two and a half inches. But so three inches would be a really big one. I love them because they're so pretty. They eat flakes and pellets and all that. They take a wide range of water parameters, uh, temperatures mid-70s to the low 80s. And in my experience, they're very easy to spawn. Um, A little tricky to raise because the babies are so small when they hatch that they need uh, rotifers or paramecium, some really small live food. But in general, really hardy, nice fish. That's the peacock gudgeon. I plan on giving away three of them. So if you win tonight, I will send you three of these uh, amazing peacock gudgeons. Um, So if you'd like to enter to win some peacock gudgeons tonight, enter hashtag peacock. We're keeping it simple. P-E-A-C-O-C-K in the chat and you will be entered and later tonight we'll draw and uh, see who won so it's as easy as that um so we'll be getting to questions and comments a lot quicker tonight so maybe i'll get to more of them it we tend to uh, get to the end of the stream and there's a lot of people that that don't get their question or comment answered just because uh, there's not enough time all the time but i'm hoping if we start a little earlier we can get more done um Before I do that, though, I want to say there's a video that I'll post tomorrow about the oddest thing I've seen in my fish room in a long time. I have this rainbow fish that for the last several days, anytime I feed it, 
it has a seizure. It's really weird. It grabs the food in its mouth and goes straight into a seizure. It acts normal all the other, you know, the rest of the day, but at feeding time, the moment it grabs some food in its mouth, it, it completely seizures out. So I made a video of that today um, because I'm curious if anyone else has seen this and if so, if they have a clue what's causing it. I'm trying to help this poor little fish and I don't know how. And I'm not hopeful. I, my guess is that there's probably some some nerve that as it's eating, that nerve is triggered and triggering that nerve somehow puts the fish into a seizure. I've only seen this once before in my life um, and it was another rainbow fish. So this is a rainbow fish that's doing it. And I've seen it once before and it was a rainbow fish as well. So I made a video of it. I'll post it tomorrow and I'll go feed the fish and you'll see what happens when it goes to bite the food. It just totally seizures out. And I'm doing it in the hope that someone can cue me in onto what's going on with this fish because I haven't been able to find any information <laughs> that could lead me to an understanding of how to help the fish. I don't suspect there is a way, but I want to try before I uh, give up on the poor little guy. So um, that will be coming out uh, tomorrow, I believe. I made the video, it's all uploaded. I'll, I'll just, you know, list it tomorrow. Um, Karen Kay is saying, would the peacock gudgeons be okay with black neons? Absolutely, yes, I think that would be a great match. Sure, both peaceful small fish and um, both hardy, as long as the peacock gudgeons can get to the food and generally once they learn, so they're, they're, they're like a wild, they're like a betta almost in that they're not super fast to the food, but they do learn pretty quickly. So once they know that lifting up the lid means you're going to feed them and they have an idea of where the food will drop, they'll kind of get there pretty quick. So I think that they would be okay with some black neon tetras. Yeah. If you have like a hundred black neon tetras in a tank and like one peacock gudgeon, that that little guy might get outcompeted by the black neon tetras, but that's not how most people keep fish. So if you just have a few tetras in there and you get a few gudgeons, I think you'll be golden. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's all I have. The, the warehouse is coming along. I had a meeting today with the contractor and a couple engineers and um, a subcontractor. Um, just, you know, it's meetings, meetings, meetings. There's a lot of details to cover and a lot of different areas of expertise that we have to bring into the project, but it's moving along. Um, no new plans or anything to show. I, I think people kind of have a pretty good idea of what we're doing. For those that don't, just really briefly, we're building a big warehouse to expand the business here. We're, we're building it on a riverbank um, and we're drawing water from the river, cleaning it up, running it through the aquariums, cleaning it up again, and then returning it to the river. So it's going to be a constant flow through system. And as this project has been progressing, I've been sharing the plans and things like that. So you guys can kind of see what's going on there. Um, so if you missed that, there's, there's a bunch of information in past live streams and past videos about it. Um, another thing I did is this was back in Thanksgiving time. I took a video and I showed you the property and the river and um, the, the test I was doing at the time to, to check flow amounts and sediment clogging filter times and stuff like that. So uh, that's been sitting um, in my camera forever. 
Um, I, I hope to get that edited and uh, posted for you guys soon. It's been in the back of my mind for a long time, but I do have some video of the site that I got before there was like a whole bunch of snow on it and things. So hopefully folks will like that. Okay, I'm going to get to your questions and comments now. Look at my new mug. Isn't that cool? My wife got that for me. That was a Christmas present. Let's see. Can we, can I get it so you can actually see it? It says, you're a friendly fishmonger in case you can't read that. It's not really focusing very well. Um, okay. Questions and comments. Here we go. Raphael Switt says, happy new year. Right back at you. Oh yeah. Happy new year's Eve, Eve, everybody. <laughs> of course it's the holidays, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> all these meetings and stuff today. I totally forgot. I scrooged out. Yes. Happy new year to everybody. Hope you're all doing well. Angling and aquatics. Hello, new viewer here. Well, welcome. Glad you could make it. I'm guessing you like, uh, like maybe fly fishing and keeping aquariums from your username. And I do too. I go up on the mountain here. We have some amazing fly fishing in my area. I like to go up there and, uh, Catch the trout. It's great fun. W. Marion, which of those pictures was close to how they look? The gudgeons? Um, oh, it depends, honestly. Um, they're very colorful, very pretty fish. But it depends on your lighting. It depends on if they're spawning mode or not. Um, this looks pretty hot to me. But I would say I, I don't think that's dishonest right there. I think they, they regularly look this good in person. And the males and females look good. Um, both of them get a lot of color. The males, the difference is, let's see if I can show you how to sex these real quick. Here you go. Here's the male. See how he's got this kind of nuchal hump? That's a, that's a really old male. You can also sometimes tell if the dorsal fin and anal fin extend way past the tail. So this is probably a young male right now that has not developed the nuchal hump yet. Um, let's see if I can find a female to show you the difference. Wait, is this a male and female right here? I think it might be. Yeah, so you can kind of see the, the fin length on the male and the head this is a young male. He hasn't got a big hump yet. And then the female kind of humpless on the head. And then the fins just don't extend back quite as far. And, and you'll notice kind of an extended yellowish colored belly a lot of times as well. So yeah, this is a pretty good comparison right here. But I think that they really are a super pretty fish. Absolutely. I, I don't think I mean, one of those pictures looked like it was a little oversaturated or something, but um, no, they're pretty fish for sure. All right. And, and I featured them in the video I did, the recent fish room tour. So if you want to see what they looked like, uh, was that a week ago or so? They weren't ready for sale at the time. You can get a, a quick little peek at them. Raphael Swit, dude, you're super generous with all your giveaways. Hashtag Peacock. Well, thanks, Raphael. And, you know, other people are too. Like lots of times people in this community will get involved in, man, my chair is squeaky. Hang on. I'm going to turn it in the hopes that in this position it won't squeak so much. Um, it's, it's not just me though. Like other people give away gift cards or say, hey, I've got some fish and we'll give them away and stuff. So um, thank you so much. I, I enjoy doing it. I think it makes things lively, but it's been really cool to see the community response, not just that people 
are excited and, and are having fun winning stuff, but also other people are like, hey, I'm giving away stuff too. So I think it just makes everything more fun for everybody. Karen K. Oh, already got that one. Peacocks with black neon tetras. I assume we're talking about black neon tetras. Just as black neons. But if you're talking about black neon tetras, then yeah, that'll be fine. Let's see here. Chat jumped, so I'm scrolling. Jeffrey Watts. Mine are aggressive when breeding, but the fryer fin nippers of other fish until they grow bigger. Okay, so in Jeffrey's experience, his peacock gudgeons, when they're breeding, are aggressive. And, and yeah, of course, right? They'll 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 find a little cave. I use little pieces of PVC pipe, and they'll lay their eggs in there. And during spawning, any official that has parental care will defend the territory. So I guess I expect that. Um, but the fryer fin nippers of other fish, says Jeffrey. I have not experienced that, and I have raised fry, but. Something to watch out for. Um, Jeffrey, were these, what kind of fish did they, did they nip? Are you saying they nipped each other's fins or was there like a, a guppy in there with a nice long tail or a veil tail betta or half moon betta, something like that? Or are you saying in general they'll, they'll nip fins? I'd like to know a little more clarification on that. So thanks for sharing your experience with that. Um, it is interesting how you can take a fish and put it in an aquarium and it'll act one way. And then you can take that same fish and put it in a different aquarium and it'll act a completely different way. It's just, there's so much about the environment and stuff that, that cues behavior in different ways. So everyone does have vastly different experiences with uh, a lot of different species. And that's, that's one reason I'm, I'm shouting out there to ask the question because just because mine haven't been aggressive doesn't mean it's not something to watch out for. Terry's Tropical Tanks, I have a pick of a peacock I got from you. I think it's better than most, but not 100% happy, you know, but not 100% happy with it. I can't get any more picks because I gave them away to someone who helped me out. Oh, okay, yeah. So I think Terry's Tropical Tanks is saying that he's not 100% happy with the picture, I hope you're not saying not 100% happy with the fish. Um, if I if I sent you a fish that is less than 100%, let me know, and I'll take care of that. But um, if you if you have the picture, um, would you email it to me real quick, Terry Dan at dancefish.com? And um, in a couple minutes, I'll try to remember. Sometimes I get caught up in the stream and I forget. Maybe a moderator could rem remind me um, to check my email, see if you sent it, and we can share it with everybody so they can see your picture. I think that's what we're talking about there. Orange cones ran across an early live stream of yours. Oh boy. Yeah, there's some winners back in the day. I think it was number 22. You have grown in this role. Yeah, thanks. Um, well, I hope so. We're, we're now at like, what are we? Number 152 now. So we've got a little more experience. The first live stream I ever did, if sometime you're super bored, go back and check out my, my very first live stream ever. I thought I was live the whole time and I wasn't. I didn't find out till later that I was doing the video and I thought it was streaming, but it wasn't. So the whole time I was like, man, no one joined in. There was no comments or anything. And I, I just had to monologue it the entire time. <laughs> that was a little rough. I remember I got through that and I was like, I don't know how many of these I'm going to do. Like, I can't carry 
a live stream all by myself all the time forever. I'll run out of stuff to say without interaction with people. But yeah, that first one. <laughs> Rick Byrne at Dance Fish. Is it gulping air? Um, no, no, Rick. The the rainbow fish that's she that seizures when it feeds is not feeding from the surface. The food is falling down. It grabs the food, and in that moment, it, it triggers something. So, no, it, it's not up at the surface getting air. And, and so it'll seizure out, and it'll do it for a couple minutes. I, I show you the entire thing in the video. It takes a couple minutes um, for the seizure to end and the fish to normalize. So what happens is it grabs the food. Well, I mean, you can watch the video, but um, it has a seizure. And then in a couple minutes, it's back up swimming normal again. So every time I feed it, it's really weird. Bob Purcell, if you put multiple strains of rice fish together, will they breed to a wild color like Neo shrimp or will they keep multiple color strains going like guppies? Bob, I don't know the answer to that. I've never tried it and I don't know anyone who has. Um, fish boy, are you in here? Fish boy might know. He's done lots of colors of rice fish. I wonder if some have mixed from time to time. Um, I would suspect it's a little bit of both. So this is just me guessing. I would suspect that within all those color morphs that rice fish have, some of those color morphs are dominant to others and things. So if you mix them together, gradually the dominant color morphs would probably take over. I don't know if they'd revert back to wild or to dominance. My, my suspicion is dominance. But it's just a guess, Bob. Never tried it. Kayla's Aquatics, does the rainbow complete the swallow post-seizure? That's a good question. Oh, yeah. So is it triggered in the mouth, in which case it probably wouldn't finish swallowing or deeper down, in which case it probably would. You know, I don't I've never seen the food come back out. So either it's already swallowed it or it does swallow it post seizure, Bob. Good question. Bunny Viper. Woohoo! I almost missed you. Was elsewhere, and then I remembered. Hashtag Peacock. Well, glad you could make it. Um, I'm real quick going to check to see. I can't share this because you'll see uh, other people's information possibly. But I'm opening my inbox real quick just to see if Terry. Oh, Terry did share the Peacock Gudgeon. Okay. Oh, that is a good picture. Hang on. Let me download this so I can share it to you without risking. Um, showing you the email because it's got all kinds of people's names in it and stuff. And I want to keep their information confidential. Okay. Just a minute. Almost there. This is a pretty darn good pick, Terry. So this is a picture of a peacock gudgeon that Terry's tropical tanks got from me um, a while ago. There you go. Now, this to me looks like a male. You can see the head kind of rounding out, and you can see how long the um, dorsal and anal fins are extending into the tail. And you can also see the breeding tube, which in this case is just, um, you know, longer and thinner instead of blunter like a female's might be. So that is an awesome picture, Terry. Thank you so much for sharing that. Look at that. <laughs> That's good. It's <laughs> a good shot. Thanks, man. All right. Scrolling down for the next one, who is Alicia AS. Alicia, good to see you again. 
Has the river ever flooded the area? Yes. I lived along the Delaware in an overflowed last week, combination of melted snow and heavy rains. So yes, um, I have seen it flood. Um, and we're, we're taking that into account with the, the elevation that we're putting the foundation at and everything. But yes, the river can flood for sure. In fact, one year, it was like lapping at the bottom of the bridge. There's, there's a major road that goes through town and the river kind of zigs and zags under that road. And so there's a few bridges and um, every now and then it gets, it's not quite lapping, but it gets pretty darn high when there's some kind of major dump. Like say we got a big snow and then a couple days later, we got a heavy rain. The rain comes and then it melts all the snow. And so you just get poof, all at once, all that water goes in. Combine that with a warm day. Oh yeah. But we, we are keeping that in mind for where we're placing the foundation of the building for sure. Orange cones, would a trio of peacock gudgeon work in my headstander hatchet fish far well a catfish tank? I, I wanna say yes. As long as the headstanders um, allow it to eat. And I think they would, I think you'd be okay. The reason I say that is sometimes headstanders, if there's some food that drops to the bottom, you've probably seen it. They'll gather around and anything that comes near them, they'll kind of chase it away. But I think a gudgeon is, is strong enough. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice. I think a gudgeon is kind of determined and enough and, and kind of steady enough that it could probably be fine with them. My guess, orange cones, is that they would be just fine. Never tried it though. Okay, I am scrolling up because chat jumped again. Hang on, I'm getting there. Here we go, New Mexico Aquatics. Hey, little Bobby, I hope you're doing well. Happy New Year's Eve Eve to you. I have one Fundalopanchex gardeneri alone in a 20 gallon high. Okay, he has Calamanus I said that wrong. Camelanus worms. After he dies, how long should I keep the tank empty before I put another species of fish in it? Um, well, hopefully he could be treated. If you haven't tried Levamisol, it works really well. A quarter of a teaspoon per hundred gallons kills Camelanus worms pretty darn quickly. Wait three days, repeat, then wait three days, repeat. But I think we might have talked about this before. So if he's so doing so poorly that he's he's not going to make it, um, I, I'm assuming the tank is in the mid to upper 70s because the temperature will affect how quickly the uh, metabolism of the worms is and so how quickly their life cycle goes. I would have to look it up, but I think if it was my tank, I would go two weeks. Um, I, I think that if those worms have not found a host by then, then, then you're probably safe. But if you look up the life cycle of the Camelanus worm, um, you might get a better idea. But the reason I say that is usually treatment prescriptions for that species of worm are seven days to 10 days. So that's because of their life cycle, right? Um, and so I think they'll have cycled out within two weeks if there's not a host for them to infect. It's my guess. 
Terry Green, Happy New Year. Right back at you. What is the brown gunk that accumulates on the bottom of your quarantine tanks? It's it's like mostly algae. You mentioned it briefly in one of your videos. I get it too and can't figure out what it is. So um, right now, I haven't used the quarantine tanks in a little while, uh, some of them. And so if I don't use them for a couple of weeks or so, you can get some algaes growing and things like that. Um, and so just before you get a new fish in a quarantine tank, you know, scrub that out, do a water change, hydrogen peroxide, do a water change and you should be good to go. But um, sometimes you can get mole in there too. Not so much if you're not feeding though. And I don't feed a lot in quarantine tanks. So for me, it's usually like algaes that are growing. Raphael Swit, I've just read about something called shimmying. Oh yeah, among fish. Yep, shows is rocking from side to side, twitching, vibrating, shaking. Indicates fish no longer has control of its nerves and muscles. So shimmying is yeah, you see it a lot in live bears. Like you might get some sword tails in, and especially if they're undergoing osmotic shock, um, you'll see them start shimmying. And I don't think that's the only. Uh, reason they do it. I'm sure there's lots and lots of reasons, but when you get live bears, um, that can happen quite a bit. And if it does, adding salt can really help because it helps relieve the osmotic stress on the animal. Rockford Fishkeeping lost one Bolivian rams today. Oh no. Strange because no problems or anything in that tank. That happens sometimes, um, not just with Bolivian rams, but I just had a fish. What was it? It's just a couple days ago. I lost a fish and Oh, what kind was it? I think it was one of the rainbow fish. And I was like, what is going on? Like there's no indications of anything wrong. I've had you for a while. Um, sometimes you just never know, man. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. That is one of the hard parts of this. We always want to know why. And Often we don't get to know why, especially when it's like this total out of the blue thing. Yeah. Sorry, man. S. Okay. Shrestha. S. Shrestha. Do you carry German, German blue rams? If yes, what do you feed them? I bought a pair and they just don't eat any flakes or mini pellets. What do I do to make them eat those tropical flakes? Thanks. So um, I don't carry German blue rams, but I, I have the black rams right now, which is the same species, just a different color form of it. Um, and I've had and kept lots of rams over the years. Honestly, I think it's just time. So when I have a fish like that, because I know rams will eat flake food and will eat pellets and stuff once they, you know, get enough exposure to it. Usually what I do when I have a fish like that is in the morning, I will give a very small feeding of the food that I'm trying to get them to learn to eat. In this case, it sounds like flake food. Of course, you want to make sure that the flake food is fresh and not super old and expired and all that, right? That it's good food. And, you know, if it just tastes like cardboard, they just might not like it if it's super old. But I'm assuming it's good fresh food. So I'd feed them a little bit of it. They'll kind of bite it, spit it out, bite it, spit it out. They won't eat it, right? And then in the evening, I'll feed them whatever they're actually going to eat. And I'll just keep doing that for a long time. And what I found is with familiarity over time, they'll start actually eating the new food. So just a tiny bit, though, because you don't want to pollute the tank. 
and do that in the morning when they're hungry, let them sit with it. And then in the evening, feed them their normal food or whatever they're actually eating. And I found that after a week or two of doing that, I can get almost any fish to eat almost anything. Um, well, almost any food. <laughs> so that, that would be my suggestion. John Kim, when do you think you might be able to get more gold morph denison barbs? Um, I don't know, but I'll definitely do it on my next order from, uh, from the breeder in Indonesia. What I can't tell is when that'll be. It kind of depends on how quickly the current stock sells. And I'm happy to say thank you to everyone that ordered. Orders are going nuts. So it's selling pretty quick. The next order I'm going to try to get in, though, once I've cleared enough space, is the order that's been pending from Nigeria for a long time. So um, if I can get that order in from Nigeria, I'll do that next, as soon as I have some space in the tanks. And then after that, probably um, more gold denison barbs, uh, that supplier. If I can't get the Nigerian order in, then I'll probably order from the gold denison barb supplier again. So there are a few suppliers where I can get gold denison barbs from, but um, I, I like to get them from the original breeder that originated the strain. And so I kind of wait until I can order from that particular person just because their quality is so good. Angling and Aquatics, thanks for that. And yes, I'm in the process of building a channel focused primarily on fly fishing and fish keeping. All right, catch and keep instead of catch and cook. <laughs> I'm just joking. Not a lot of trout you can keep in aquariums very well. Not in a home aquarium anyway. It's, it's hard. They need cold water, high oxygen. Yeah. But they're delicious. Orange cones. In the one I saw, you were late because the parking lot in your daughter's school was crowded. Oh, yeah. And you were also late starting. That never happens. I've never been late before, ever. <laughs> yeah. Every now and then life gets in the way of an on-time live stream. Marie! I have a 50-gallon, three-foot planted tank. Oh, that's an interesting size. Yeah, I automatically go with four-foot because I automatically think 55-gallon, but yours is a three-foot, so a little wider, I assume, a little deeper. Planted tank with 11 quarries, four prey cocks, with babies joining soon, awesome, and seven turquoise rainbows. What are your thoughts on the rope fish doing well in their long term? Honestly, I've never kept rope fish in my life. So I wish I could help you, but I don't know that fish very well. Um, I guess my original suspicion, just from what I do know about it, is that it might be hard to get enough food with all those rainbows in there. But that's just a guess. I would refer you to Oddball Aquatics. Um, she loves rope fish. She's passionate about rope fish. She's a rope fish geek like you'll never meet again. So... Maybe she could tell you a better answer than I could. Or someone in here, if you've kept rope fish in a community setting, would you chime in so we can get Marie an answer tonight, if anyone knows? Um, I will say, too, though, that the turquoise rainbows get big. You're going to get a, I don't know, six-inch fish easy. I, they, they might get even a little bigger than that. I'm not quite sure, but they're one of the biggest of the rainbow fish species. So seven of those... In the tank, um, that's, that's a lot in there already once they get full grown. So just be aware of that as you're planning on long-term stocking that tank. Um, Terry's Tropical Tanks, 
let me know he sent me the picture glad you like this sultan pick yeah so i should thank you i i actually meant to do this um so Terry's Tropical Tanks was nice enough to send me this picture. I had the Sultan Plecos listed and I didn't have a picture, but Terry had a good picture and sent it to me and let me use it. So courtesy of Terry, I have this. So thanks again, Terry. I really appreciate you allowing me to use that picture. In fact, if anyone watching has pictures of fish that I have listed and I don't have pictures of, and you think it's a good pick, um, I'm always looking for pictures. So if you have some that you're willing to let me use on uh, my store, that would be fantastic. Um, send them along. I would appreciate it. Alexandria Rodriguez got some bumblebee gobies the other day. Awesome. I noticed their striping is different from the ones I already had. More spotted in the front instead of striped. How many different species are there? There's a lot and I don't know the number, but there's lots of different species in that genus of the bumblebee goby. Yeah, for sure. It is a very, very widespread fish and it's widespread over lots of kind of island areas along with mainland areas and stuff. And so you get all these little niches where it's, it's really kind of radiated out into lots of different uh, species. So I don't know the number, but it's a lot. All right, scrolling down here. Rockford Fishkeeping. How long have you had the fish? A week of not eating will start showing if it is still... So if it's still fat and not sick, it's eating something. Oh, so the, the rainbow fish that's seizuring out every time it feeds, I've had since June. But it only started this behavior three days ago, maybe four days ago. So it's still fat and sassy. Um, but... Long term, you know, this is this could be a real problem. So it's I, I can't tell by its body mass yet if it's eating or not. But I think it is because it bites the food. It, it gets the food disappears into its mouth, right? Far enough that you can't see the food anymore. And then it does the whole wig out thing. And I've watched it pretty carefully and I can't remember seeing the food ever come back out. So maybe it is getting something to eat. Kids Aquatics, I'll buy the seizure fish, please. I have a cart pending payment already. Let me know which fish. Okay, um, so Bob, let's do this. Um, there's a customer that already bought it before it started doing this, and they've been uh, wanting it for quite a while. I'm going to tell them what's going on. Tell them I don't think you probably want this fish, and make sure they actually don't. And... Um, then once I know that they don't want it, then I'll go ahead and send it to you. And I'm not going to charge for this. It, it, whoever I send it to, if I send it to, well, I wasn't kind of planning on sending it because, um, yeah, because I didn't think anyone would want it. But um, whoever I send it to, whether it's you or the customer that already has bought it, I'm, I'm going to refund the payment. I'm not going to charge someone for a fish like that. I'm just... Glad someone's willing to give it a shot because I, 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 like I said, I had one that did this quite a long time ago. Only once in my life have I seen this behavior before and I never could figure it out. So if someone else can figure it out, um, it's probably a better shot for the fish than what I'll be able to figure out based on my past experience.
So, so Bob will let you know, but thank you. I think that's very kind of you and there won't be a charge. I, I'm not going to charge someone for a fish like that. I'm just glad someone's going to provide it a chance. Jeffrey Watts. Okay. The, the peacock gudgeon fry nipped his Madagascar rainbows, his cherry barbs, and silver tip tetras. Wow. A male emperor tetra and a guppy in a community tank. But I love them. Just giving a heads up on fry behavior. Wow. That's so interesting. Because those like tetras, barbs, rainbows, those are all pretty quick fish. They aren't like a, a betta with a long tail is kind of just sitting there and the tail's just wagging and tempting, right? Especially silver tip tetras. They, those don't have long fins or anything. Wow, that's interesting to know. All right, thanks for the heads up. So you've heard it from Jeffrey. That's Jeffrey's experience. Thanks for sharing. I appreciate it. All right. Oh, I thought we reached the bottom of the chat, but we hadn't. It just jumped. I was all excited. I was like, no way. It's like inbox zero when you get to the bottom of the chat, right? It's like, what? That never happens. <laughs> Okay. Wait, hang on. Hang on, hang on. I'm I'm looking. <laughs> Secret history living in your aquarium. Behave. Don't make life hard for candy. Jeez, buddy. <laughs> Okay, punchy paints. I think this is the next one. I'm just gonna, yeah, chat jump. So if you left, if you left a question or comment above the one I'm about to read, and um, it has not been addressed yet, feel free to leave it again. It just means that chat jumped, and I, I literally can't see it because it cut that out of the chat. Punchy paints. Everyone remember to highlight Dan so he sees your questions. Yes, Pam, absolutely. Also, Punchy paints is doing a live stream tonight after me, where she is. What she's got some art for sale. She's got some art to give away. So um, you could win some stuff there. Um, so yeah, check out Punchy Paints live stream after we're done here to win some. If you don't know Punchy Paints art, you're missing out. Check out her channel. She's she's a very talented lady. S Shretha Shretha. That's so hard for me to say. Um, already got that one. But that was the one about the Rams. That must have been posted twice because I'm way beyond that. Thanks a bunch. I appreciate the feedback. Happy New Year. Hope you have a great year ahead. All right. You're welcome. Hope that feeding tip for the Rams helps you. Raphael Swit, what's your favorite kind of tea or coffee? Not a big coffee guy. Um, I'm already like a high energy person. So if I get caffeine in me, look out. It's I, I get jittery. Like it's It's too much. It's too much energy. So I tend to go for tea. I, I really like a peppermint tea. I like a chai tea. Um, I like hibiscus tea. I like sleepy time tea. I like Bengal spice tea. I like um, orange spice tea. I like chamomile tea. I mean, I like tea. I'm a tea guy. I kind of grew up on it. Um, my mother is uh, fairly British, and so she drank a lot of tea, and we did too growing up. Lots of different herbal teas. 
Paul Soltero, hope you and your family had a great Christmas. Right back at you, and we did. It was so nice. I took a couple days, and I didn't, uh, you know, do work except for, you know, feeding the fish because they need to be taken care of. But I, I didn't, like, do emails or do customer support or anything. I was just like, okay, it's Christmas. Took two days and just you know, hung out with the wife and the kids. And it, I can't remember the last time that happened. It's been a long time. So it was really nice just to kind of reconnect a little bit. So we had a wonderful Christmas and haha, I got a mug. My wife got me an awesome mug. So that was fun. Also, I got socks and pajamas because that's what I always want. <laughs> Mac PNW, any experience with, um, Oh, this is, this is a puffer. Kirino uh, Tetradon Irubesco. I have a pair in a 20 long, was considering tank mates or better off alone long-term. So I actually do not, that's one of the red-eyed puffers. Um, nice, small, mini puffer. Um, I don't have any experience with it directly though. I've tried to get them a few times. Um, most of the time they were shorted. One time the dragon puffers came instead when I was expecting the uh, Irubesco. So I can't tell you, I've never kept them kind of long-term and I've never kept them with anything else. Just kind of more like pet store experience with those. So um, I can't help you. Is anyone here kept that little red-eye puffer or is it red eye puffer or red belly puffer? I think it's the red eye. Um, and if so, could you let us know how they did, uh, how they, did they play well with other fish? I guess is the question. Rockford Fishkeeping, will that salt and pleco go okay in an African tank with, uh, with Burchard eye daffodils? I don't know, Rockford. I've seen some people successfully keep uh, plecos in with, with some Tanganyika and cichlids, and I've also seen it go horribly wrong. I would err on not doing that. If there was a catfish I wanted to keep in a tank like that, it would probably be like Pictus cats or something, because um, they're so fast, or, or a Cynodonus maybe of some kind. But I honestly don't know. I've seen it. I've seen it go both ways with plecos and African cichlids. Um, so 50-50, I guess. I personally would not do it, uh, not with something like a Sultan Pleco. If you did do it, I would definitely have a plan B, although the issue is when it all goes south, you might not be there to see it in time if it does go south. So, yeah. W. Marion, yes, I suggest you collect photos of all the fish you have sold from previous customers to a dance fish photo archive. Oh, yeah, I would love that. Plus, it would just be so helpful. I mean, there's so many fish I have for sale and I don't have pictures of just because just because I've been so crazy busy. Um, and that's one of the most frustrating things I think for people. Um, often I get an email, can I get a picture? Like, what is this? You have just the name of this fish. I don't know how big it is. I don't know what it looks like. And I totally get that. So um, it's not my intention to not have pictures up. It's just literally with everything I'm doing, plus trying to build this big warehouse and everything, just I'm, my days are very short. There's so much to do every day that I have trouble getting to pictures. So I appreciate any help with that. 
The other thing is I really like seeing how the fish do for people long-term. Like my goal, my entire goal at dancefish.com, as you know, is to send fish to people that will thrive for them. And, you know, a month, six months later, a year later, they'll still be healthy and happy. Right. That's what I'm really trying to do. And so, um, it's cool to see how they do long-term. Yeah. Killers Aquatics, thanks. I'll call him Archie about the uh, the rainbow fish. Cool. It's a Melanotania. Uh, it's not a named species yet, but it's from Caladiri is the collection point. Um, and a nice big one. Got it as an adult back in June. And it's, it's quite an interesting fish. Every time I list it for sale, something happens. And so there's a customer who has been trying to get it for a long time. He'll buy it. I'll say, great. Then a few days before I go to ship it, I'll see something wrong with the fish. So I'll say, I'm sorry, I can't sell it to you. Uh, you know, I can't send the fish. I'll refund them or whatever. We'll work it out. Then I'll wait a few weeks. The issue will clear up. The fish will be fine for a couple weeks. And I'll be like, great. I'll list it again. Same customer will buy it. Inevitably, a few days before I send this customer that fish, it'll have a different problem. Sorry, something came up. I can't send you the fish. We work it out. This has happened three or four times to this poor customer. That's why I want to let them know what's going on um, and see if they want it anyway. Um, I'll of course, refund the cost of the fish, but just see if they want it anyway. Because they've been trying since June to buy this fish. So, <laughs> yeah. I've never, this is the darndest fish. I've never, like the last time, fish had been good for a month. Listed it again, a couple days before I went to sell it, its its lips were like infected. Like it had banged into something like rainbows sometimes do and got the, the white stuff on the mouth. Oh, great. So waited, I don't know, I think six weeks or so before I listed it again this last time. And about a week ago, I think it was, maybe two weeks ago, I listed it again. The customer got him. I was like, great. Of course, something else goes wrong. It's... <laughs> I don't know. What to, I've never had a relationship with a fish like this before. It's been insane. And this poor customer has been so patient and understanding. <laughs> yeah. Brian's, Brian's, I wanted to say Stanford, but Brian Sandford just got L138 plecos in for the first time. I've seen some conflicting temp recommendations. Is 82 degrees Fahrenheit correct? Um, let's see here. 183. So that's a starlight pleco. One of those. Um, let's okay. Let's planet catfish you real quick. So this to me is the go-to place when I need to find information about fish. I think it's a very reliable site. It's called Planet Catfish. Let's see if we can find it here. El Pleco Pleco L one eighty three Planet Catfish. Okay. Here. They are saying for temperature, 73 to 82. So it sounds like you're right within that range. Yeah. They're an incestuous species, so they might not need it as hot as some of like the uh, hypencestrus need it. Um, and I've got three of them in this tank. And this tank definitely gets to 82 degrees in the summer. And they've been fine for... Well, I don't know, a couple years or so in there. So, yeah, I think you'll be fine. But planetcatfish.com um, is 
kind of the go-to place. There's a couple others. Scott Cat is a great site. Seriously Fish has some information on them, but Planet Catfish, man, that's that's where the the real catfish geek hangs out and shares their experience. So it's a it's a pretty reliable site. All right. It's me. Well, hello, it's me. It's an herbal man. Yeah, herbal tea. I do like herbal tea. Yep. I just, I have nothing, not necessarily against coffee or anything. It's just, I don't need it, man. I. <laughs> so your chat jumped. So I'm just, give me, bear with me for a moment while I scroll up to see. Okay. I think, I think I'm almost there. Oh, I just did it. I did it twice in a row. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Hang on. I'm looking. There we go. I just saw it. it's Herbal Man going down. Danikin Aquatics. Hey, hope you're doing well, Danny and Ken. Throwing down a $5 super chat with a mic drop. Good to see you. Hope you're doing good. Um, yeah, hope everything's good in your neck of the woods. Happy New Year. And thanks for the five bucks. Always appreciated. Never required. But as you know, it makes the wife super happy when money falls out of the sky. Paul Soltero, mental health days are always good. Oh, yeah. Recharging, reconnecting with the people you love. I mean, it's, yeah, absolutely. It's just been a long time since I've done that. I mean, I make a point of of seeing my kids, you know, pretty much every day. Something, whether it's just dinner together or, or tucking them in, something, some kind of connection. But to be able to really unplug and not have anything else on my mind except them, that's, that's the special sauce of a, of a holiday. Uh, there's, just, there's just something different about that than, uh, than having business on the mind and interacting with them. When you can totally unplug, it's really special. So that was pretty cool. That's all I wanted for Christmas, <laughs> honestly. Um, Let's see here. Orange cones. I bred baddest baddest for a while and found a unique way to sex the juvies. Oh, cool. While bagging up groups, my male would display blue to girls, then turn black to peg the boys through the tank. Never was wrong. So if you take one, put it in a bag and then hold it up to the glass, then your big adult male would come and display blue to the girls to try to attract them in black to the boys to show dominance. That's interesting. Huh? (laughs) That's a new one to me. Good to know. You learn something every day. Just one more fish with Josh. Hey, Josh. Good to see you. Appreciate the show. As usual, you were saying others like to jump in and do giveaways. And that got me thinking, all right, what's Josh thinking? How about a second drawing tonight for a 12 ounce of Rapashi? Oh, nice. Yes. Winner's choice from anything I have in stock. Still think I have four or five kinds available. That sounds awesome. Let's see what Josh has in stock for Rapashi. Oh, hang on. I was searching for a fish instead of a store. You'd think I would know how to use my own website, but no. (laughs) All right. So Josh... Just one more fish. All right, let's see. So we've got Spawn and Grow, Morning Wood, and Community Plus. 
and bottom scratcher. Awesome. So if you would like to win some of that action, here's what we're going to do. In a couple minutes, we'll do the giveaway for the Peacock Gudgeons. And then a little later tonight, we'll do a giveaway for this. Thanks, Josh, for jumping in on that. I appreciate that. This community is awesome. I, I just think it's awesome when people do stuff like that. In 12 ounces, that's awesome. That's three quarters of a pound. Sounds good. Cool. We'll do that. Leon Drolet, I bought nine green neons on a whim today. Cool. Research when I got them home and they need a pH under 6.5. My water is 7.4. Are, are these neons dimmed? No. No. They do not need a pH of 6.5 at all. Nope. In fact, I think I think I can I think this is true. I think you can always ignore pH. Now, there might be some weird case where someone lives like in the alkali salt flats of Utah on the Bonneville Flats, and there's so much alkali in the water that the pH is so out of whack that it's a problem. But in general, if you're using, I don't any municipal source or anything, um, I think it's safe to say that you're not going to ever have to worry about pH. I think it's definitely safe to say that I've never seen a case where it was better for a fish where someone was trying to alter the pH rather than just have steady parameters. Now, if you know how to alter pH, if you have an RODI unit and you can make pretty much pure water and you have all the chemicals and minerals and you know how to remix it to whatever you want and you put that in the tank and then anytime you do a water change, you do the mix and, and use that for your water and you can keep it steady. Um, then as long as you can keep the parameters steady, sure, go for it. But that's a ton of work. That's almost no hobbyist that's probably watching this live stream. Um, that's more laboratory, laboratory grade stuff. I mean, there's a few hobbyists that are diehard. I know a guy that does licorice garamis. Um, breeds them and he has this automated system to make sure that the pH stays super low. He's got this uh, like little, what kind of pump is it? Is it a pneumatic pump? I can't remember, but it, 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 he has acid connected to this pump and there's a meter that reads the pH and keeps the pH injects acid as needed to keep the pH where it needs to be. But this is a very sophisticated system. And this is a guy that, um, you know, he's by trade, he's in the sciences. And so he's got access to all this stuff, knows how to do that. But in general, I wouldn't worry about it. What just, I wish no one would ever list the pH when they're listing the needs of a fish. I think it's misleading. I think it leads to a lot of people trying to get to an ideal pH in in killing a lot of fish as they try to do that because those parameters are almost never steady unless you're super advanced and have some specialized equipment. So that's my thoughts on that, Leon. They're going to do fine at 7.4. I worked at a, a facility that was on an old coral bed back in the day and their pH in their facility was, I want to say it was up in the nines and we kept fish like that without any problem, all kinds of stuff. So, um, nope, I don't think it's a problem. The only time I'd worry about it is if you have a species that likes hard water and has been kept in hard water 
if you're going to put that immediately in very soft water. That can be a real issue. But that's a hardness issue, not necessarily a pH issue. Um, you know, they're often related, but they're not the same thing. I've read about pH shock. I, I see it all the time in Facebook groups and stuff. I don't think I've ever experienced it or seen it. I don't know what pH shock really is in real life because I don't think I've ever seen fish experience that. So that's my thoughts, Leon. Gosh, I wish pH was not part of the normal thing that you go online to research a fish and it's like, it needs this, 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 and pH of this. I mean, that screws so many people up. Just ignore it, Leon. Keep the water clean. Keep it steady. Rockford fish keeping. It's not a catfish thing. It's an algae eating thing for the daffodils. Okay, so you have a tank of daffodils, uh, Neolamprologus, or is it Lamprologus? I think it's a Neo, Brichardi, right? And you're wanting to put a catfish in there to eat the algae, is what I'm hearing. Um, yeah, I just, I've seen it go both ways with, with plecos and uh, African cichlids. Um, so I don't know, maybe it could work out. I think it's a little risky though, but definitely you wouldn't want Pictus catfish then though, because you're looking for an algae eater and that's not Pictus catfish. Um, and that's not Cynodonus either. Yeah. So I guess if you really need an algae eater in a tank like that, maybe something to try would be if there's a big old mature bull bushy-nosed pleco, like a brown bushy-nosed pleco. It's got a, with all those spines developed, all that big bush on its face, that thing might be able to, um, to hang. And the way I would introduce that if I was trying it is I divide the tank. I would put the pleco on one side and the cichlids on the other. I would keep that divider there until the pleco learned the area, had claimed a little niche, like a little cave or crevice or something in the rocks, had a home basically that was secure. Then it might be okay because it's already established and stuff. I think it would be very, very risky if the cichlids are established and then you just add this newbie pleco. It's got nowhere to go. It doesn't know where to go to escape. It's, it's got, you know, that could be an issue. So, yeah, that's my thoughts. I, I think it's risky, though. It's me. How many South, South, <laughs> Siamese algae eaters, SAEs, in a three-month-old planted tank with neos, amanos, autos, CPDs, and snails? That is getting covered in hair algae. I've reduced light and nutrients and added floating and stem plants. Um, well, I don't know how big the tank is. The, the issue with South, with, South American, with Siamese algae eaters is they get like four inches, maybe even a little bigger. Um, this right here is a full-grown Siamese algae eater. That thing is probably four inches right now. And you can, that's a full-grown roseline barb. So if you want to compare size, um, I think there's three of them in there. So they get pretty big. So if you have all of this in a 20-gallon tank, that, that's going to be a little hard to keep a group of nice, full-grown Siamese algae eaters in it. Honestly, my experience with algae is pretty much this, is that with time and some manual removal, it will generally go away. It sounds like you've reduced light and you've added some floating plants and stem plants. What I would suggest, and I'm not an expert on planted tanks at all, but 
I've dealt with algae a lot. And if you have floating plants and stem plants, those are going to suck up nutrients really quick. And the floating plants are going to block some light, right? So if it was me, honestly, what I would try is I would just manually remove the hair algae that I could and just give it time. I think with time, that tank will balance. The plants will probably outcompete the uh, algae and the amano shrimp that you have in there are probably going to do as good a job eating that as, as you could expect. So if anything, I'd probably add more amano shrimp. I don't know if I would add SAEs just because I don't know how big the tank is. If it's a big tank, throw them in there. Yeah, they're great algae eaters. All right. Someone's throwing down some moolah here. Who's that? Oh, that's Bob Kaler. Kaler's Aquatics throwing down $9.99. Thank you so much, Kaler's Aquatics. And that reminds me, I don't know why <laughs> I don't know why Kaler's Aquatics live uh, super chats always make me think of tasks. But whenever I see a super chat from Kaler's Aquatics, I'm like, oh, that must mean I need to do something. I need to do the first giveaway, right? So this is a giveaway. There are 183 eligible users here, right on. This is for three Peacock Gudgeons. And the winner is John Kim. John Kim, you have won three Peacock Gudgeons. This is my own stock. They're in that tank right there. And um, let us know you're here. You've got a minute to respond and say, I'm here, or I won, or yippee, or something. And um, then I will send them to you. Now, I'm backed up on shipping. There's been a ton of orders and with not being able to ship over Christmas, um, I'm a little backed up. So it's probably going to be January 13th when I can send those out to you. All right. You've got 30 seconds, my friend, John Kim, to come in and let us know that you're here. I'm going to get to another question while we're waiting. And um, thanks, Bob, for the super chat. I don't know if you meant to remind me to do the drawing, but Every time Bob gets a super chat, I'm like, oh, got to do something. <laughs> it's me. It's a 29 gallon. Yeah. Um, I think you could do one full grown SAE probably in a 29 gallon. Um, but it's going to get the thing with that species is it's going to get so big. I mean, you got it in there with little autos and neos and CPDs. I just, I mean, I guess if you want like this big show SAE in there surrounded by these pretty little fish, it could work. To me, it seems like it'd be a, a bit of an odd mix. Nick's fish. What can I feed an orange Mexican dwarf crayfish? Nick's fish. I've, I've never kept that uh, species long-term, so I can't tell you other than to say from what I understand, they'll eat pretty much anything. Um, I, I do know someone that keeps them and they feed them plant trimmings. They feed them sinking pellets. They feed them, Lots of stuff. I don't think they're picky at all, but I will let someone else. And that's a lot of, that's probably, that's like four questions tonight that I've been like, oh, I don't know. Um, that's unusual. But if someone in here has kept Mexican dwarf crayfish, would you let Nick's fish know what you fed them so we can help out Nick? With that, John Kim is here. John says, thanks, Dan. Hey, you're welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks for playing. Please send me an email. Dan at dancefish.com. Um, first name, last name, and mailing address. And um, I plan to send them out on January 13th. Let me know if that doesn't work. We could push it into the next week if you need it to arrive on a different day. But uh, that's the plan for now. With that, let's do the next one. So the next one is for Rapashi. 
from Josh's fish. <laughs> I can't type. So if you'd like to win some Rapashi from Josh's fish, hashtag go Josh go, just type that in the chat, hashtag G-O, J-O-S-H-G-O, and you will be entered to win some of this Rapashi here, a 12 ounce, 12 ounce jar of Spawn and Grow Morning Wood Community Plus or Bottom Scratcher. I love their names. Classy stuff. <laughs> All right. Oh, I didn't see the sticker before, Bob. It's Pippi Longstocking. Awesome. My favorite sticker of all time, Pippi Longstocking. Thank you, Kayla's Aquatics. Thanks for the super chat. Okay. Steel Angus. I just love that username. It's a big iron cow. <laughs> Looks like something you'd see on the side of the road driving down the highways here in, in Wyoming. You'll be driving down and there'll be like this bluff and there'll be this big iron like cowboy silhouette up there um, or a big jackalope, stuff like that. I could see a big old steel cow. Why not? Steel Angus. All right. Alicia AS is the next comment that I can see because chat has jumped a lot on me. And it says, I have bred an F1 Soda Lake Cichlid. I'm not, well, I will try to say the name because that's fun. Alkalopia <laughs> Dalalami, Dalalami, something like that, in pH of 7. Woo! Lake Natron, where the parents came from, has a pH of 10 plus. Yes. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's interesting to hear. Yes. I know Soda Lake cichlids are some of the extreme environment type fish, and you bred them in 7. Cool. Usually it's the opposite. Usually it's pH of like, you have to have this in a pH of 4.5. And it's like, no, you don't. Um, I do think it's trickier um, when it's like a hard water, really alkaline environment to a soft water environment. But that is awesome to hear that that worked out for you. And again, we're just talking pH here. Um, not, not hardness. Hardness is where it gets tricky. Jimmy Blankenship, I love your freshwater archer fish. Awesome. I love them too. Um, would you talk about their care temp miniature tanks, uh, minimum tank size? Sorry. <laughs> it just says M-I-N. I went with miniature. Tank minute. <laughs> I did it again. Tank minimum tank size. Keep in a group. Could I feed them cold endlers? Well, um, they're not a hard fish to keep at all, honestly. So they'll eat anything. They'll eat flakes, they'll eat pellets, they'll eat endlers, they'll eat anything if it's at the top. So they don't typically go further down. Like the furthest down they'll feed is probably four inches, five inches on that tank. And it's a, it's about a two foot tall tank. Um, so if it's on the top, they'll eat it. Temperature, um, I would say mid to upper seventies. In this tank, it does get as high as the low eighties, especially during the heat of the summer, because I have a uh, a big filter on it, a big Fluval FX6, and that kind of generates some heat. And I've got some, uh, I don't know if you can see it, but this is just a, a little power head right here powering that sponge filter. So instead of bubbling through there, I put a power head in that sponge filter, and that generates a little bit of heat, and the lights are on it. So in the summer, it does get a little hotter. So I know for a fact they can go mid 70s up to 82 without any problems. 
keep in mind though, the water's really clean in here. So oxygen saturation is still good up in the eighties in my tank. Um, minimum tank size, they do like to be active. They do prefer to be in a group. I think they just act like they want to be in a group. I, I know people that keep them singly and they seem to do fine, but in a group, they're very active. They just seem, uh, I don't want to say they're depressed singly. I'm not sure how sociable a fish they are to tell you the truth, but they thrive in a group. So I would suggest a group. And um, I do know other people that have got them and only got one or a couple and then added more and more. Um, and they've kind of acted better and better the bigger the group got. So I think that's something you want to consider. And with that, the minimum tank size, long term, I mean, they're, they're kind of a big bulky fish. They create a lot of waste. They eat a lot of food and it's usually high protein food. So I wouldn't want to keep them in a really small tank. I, I would kind of say a group in a 75 gallon might be the minimum that I would probably want to keep them in. A 55 gallon might work okay. I really like them in this though, in 125 gallon, six feet long. They use the entire tank. So the bigger, the better, I guess. It's it's not a fish I would stick in a 10 gallon or a 20 gallon or anything like that. So that's my thoughts on that. Hopefully, Jimmy, that's thorough enough of an answer to get you kind of started on your plans with them or to decide, ooh, maybe I can't get them. Danny Weshi. Yeah, adding any fish into an established cichlid tank is always risky, but it's the price we pay for such gorgeous fish. Yeah, of course. Paul Soltero, the auto should be able to handle the algae in that tank. Well, kind of. So the autos will definitely handle like surface algae, like, like diatom algae and stuff like that. But we're talking about hair algae, that long stringy stuff. I have found autos to be much less effective against those algaes that kind of go way out into the water column than on a surface algae. So I actually think there's some limits to autos ability to um, be very effective against certain kinds of algaes. Now I'm one dude. I'm just talking about my experience. Paul might be like, what are you talking about? I had a tank of hair algae. I put four autos in there and was gone in a week. I mean, that's totally possible. But I'm just talking about my experience, of course. It can be different for others, and it often is, and that's fine. Duck's dad, extra hair algae is a good excuse to start a scud tank. Yes. Heard that from Dr. Scud. Oh, yeah. Scud's hair algae is their favorite food. They, uh, It's amazing to watch. It's funny. You don't think of scuds as having personality, but I swear you put a big clump of, of hair algae in their tank, it's almost like they're little puppies. They get so excited. They start zipping around. They smell it, right? They just start zipping around super fast and they find it and they just like dig in. <laughs> it's, it's, it's obviously the food they crave. It must just be a natural food for them. It's me. Thanks for the SAE info. I was thinking getting some babies for my LFS and returning them after the algae was taken care of. Totally up to you if you want to do that. Um, it's not the, it's not a value judgment what I'm about to say it to me, so don't take it that way. But I do always – it always makes me go, hmm, when someone's like, oh, let's take that, use it for a bit, and then return it. It's not a value thing, really. What is it? I don't know. I guess, I guess to me, I worry about a couple of things like renting fish. 
just temporarily and then back. I just see that as a vector for pathogen transfer, I guess. Um, I don't, I'm not going to get into that a lot. You do you. You do you. It's just something that every time I see someone be like, oh, let's stay, have it for a bit and then return it. I'm always like, oh, I don't know. Orange Gomes, is that stump? Is this Dan? Is this stump Dan night? Yeah, I guess it is. I just did it again to poor little it's me a little bit. I didn't dig into too much. You know, with SAEs, it might not be such a bad thing. It's just, I guess that probably stems from hearing so many people say, oh, I'm just going to get this red tail catfish. And after a little while, I'll just return it. And I'm like, no one's going to want that when it's big. Like there's 500,000 of them looking for homes right now. It's, it's that kind of mentality, I guess, that's in my head. I guess I would just say it's me. If you're going to do that, just um, make sure your LFS is, is okay taking them back when you're done. Just set it up beforehand so it's all smooth. Um, yeah. Okay, I'm going to move on. Jeffrey Watts, those Sikiopus lagocephalus I got from you are the best algae eaters. Cool. Jeffrey, do they eat um, hair algaes and things as well? Or do they kind of just stick with the benthic algaes? Um, so I guess I guess this is a good point. The Stiphodon gobies, the Sikiopus gobies, the um, Sikiopterus gobies, all those kinds of benthic feeders, they are very good algae eaters. I just haven't had a lot of them long enough to know which kinds of algaes they'll eat and which ones they won't. But, and they stay small too. The Lagocephalus get pretty good size, but um, there are a lot of them that stay small. The, the neon, the blue neon goby might be a good algae eater if it's more of a surface algae. And I don't know that much about the other ones yet. A lot of them are new to me, so I'm still learning. Okay, hang on, scrolling here. There it goes. Sorry, guys, I'm catching up with chat because it jumped big time. I hope I'm not. Let me scroll all the way as far as I can. Okay. And sorry, it's me. I didn't express my thoughts on on renting SAEs very well. I, I'm sorry. Um, but I'm just going to move on. KS, hi, Dan. What is an acceptable pH change from day to night in a planted tank? KS, um, I don't know. I'm just not a planted guy. I, I do very little with plants. So I do know that it changes. I know that, well, I'm not going to go into, <laughs> I know this and I know this and I know that. Who needs a list of what I know? But it's not enough to talk very expertly about planted tanks. So I'm going to defer that to someone else in the chat. Um, I don't know if, if Michael Wentworth is here, does a lot with plants. I don't know if Bentley Pascoe is here. And there's actually, there's lots of folks in here that know a lot more about plants than I do. So we'll defer that question to them. And uh, yeah, what is that? Six questions I couldn't answer. That might be a record, <laughs> but I really try not to go into stuff that I don't actually know, right? I don't want to be that person that's just like, well, let me tell you what I read on Facebook. You know, I, I like to only talk about stuff that I really feel like I've experienced firsthand or, or had a friend that experienced firsthand and that I saw in their tank, something like that. All right. Bunny Viper saying congrats to Joan and happy new year. Hashtag go Josh, go, go Josh. Go. Indeed. All right. 
I got 15 more minutes. Gnarly Fish Tanks, another username that I just like a lot. GT Aquatics. Would you put full-grown Denison barbs with full-grown 10-inch and 12-inch Dojo Loach? I think I would. You know, both of them do fine in cooler water. Denison barbs don't need it hot. They 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 kind of like it a little cooler. I think that would work just fine if they were full grown. Yeah, I don't think the dojo loaches uh, would snack on them if they were full grown. And I think that they would both kind of stay in different parts of the tank more or less. Um, dojo loaches hanging out on any surface, kind of all over the surfaces. And the denizens kind of cruising through the middle of the tank. Yeah, gnarly, I would do that. I, I don't think I would worry about that. Provided by full grown, you really mean full grown. And the, the dojo loach's mouth is not big enough to chomp that down. Paul Soltero, before I started adding oregonite to my filters, snails would melt in my tanks. Yeah, so that is a hardness issue. If your water's soft, then snail, sh snail shells won't develop properly. That's absolutely true. Um, I, I have that issue as well because I have soft water at the moment. Gnarly Fish Tank says in a 75-gallon. Oh, okay. So would you put them in there in a 75-gallon? I guess, I mean, I think behavior, with behavior you would be fine. I don't think they stress each other out. I guess that comes down to waste management. Dojo loaches that size create a lot of waste. So how often do you change water? What's your filtration like and things like that? Um, yeah, it totally depends on if on, on, on the maintenance side at that point. But I think the species will get along. And I think a 75 gallon, you could put them in there. So like as far as like how crowded is that tank, I think it'd be okay. Um, I will say that denison barbs do swim a lot and they're strong swimmers. And when they're full, full grown, even a four foot tank, I think they're fine in it, but it's kind of the limit of what I would consider on the small side. So just to, just to put that out there. Dragon layer archers shoal in the wild. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I love watching like those national geographic videos of the mangrove swamps and you see these shoals of archers come through and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in my experience, I think they're happier in bigger groups. That's what I've seen. Jimmy Blankenship, I got a 75 gallon. Cool. So I'm thrilled. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome. 75 gallons, a pretty good sized tank. You can do a lot in that. It's just, it's got that depth from front to back that you need to do some cool stuff. Orange cones, scuds will destroy their algae. Yes, indeed. <laughs> it's fun to watch. Um, over time, though, that, that tank that we were talking about um, has shrimp in it. So over time, scud populations will get so big. In my experience, they'll outcompete uh, Caridina and Neocaridina shrimp. I haven't tried them with a mono shrimp. But um, so if you just want to kill that hair algae, scuds would be amazing. But keep in mind, you're going to have an issue later on when their population booms, unless you remove those shrimp. Although you have fish in there, so they might keep the population under control. You know, scuds might be a good, now that I think about it, I mean, it depends on how the tank's set up. If there's tons of hiding spaces for the scuds and stuff, the population might get too big. 
Um, if you have pea gravel in there, they'll burrow down in that pea gravel and, and stay in there during the day and come out at night. And so the fish won't eat them as well. But, um, but if there's not all that going on, then scuds might balance out with the fish in that tank. It could work. HC <laughs> Aqua right now is going, no! <laughs> Just one more fish with Josh. Updated his stock list. Have five flavors now. Not for human consumption, just in case, <laughs> in case anyone was, was wondering. Cool. That's awesome. Thanks, Josh, for doing that. All right. Scrolling here to try to find. Wow, it really jumped. Whew. Okay, here we go. It's me. Totally appreciate your info and opinion. Um, his talk to the LFS. Okay, cool. All right. All right. Killers Aquatics, it's a cultural thing. Dogs and cats are quite disposable in our society. Of course, birds and fish. Yeah, it's... And I'm not saying that... It, it's me. I'm not saying that you're thinking of them as disposable. It's just... I guess my hackles go up a little bit. I see red flags when I, when I start seeing people talk in ways that gesture towards that, I guess is what maybe it is. I, I don't know. That's probably not what you're doing, but I just see it too much out there that it's just an automatic reaction I have, I guess. Bunny Viper, this is a fantastic live stream. I love them all and love the Gucci. I'm wearing Gucci? I thought I was wearing Google! <laughs> um, I got this shirt because I, I spoke... No, I didn't speak. I donated some fish to a fish club and one of the people at that fish club works at Google. So they emailed, they emailed me, geez, tonight, I swear. <laughs> so they, they emailed me the shirt. <laughs> so they mailed me a shirt. It's me. Love your info and streams. Thank you. Alicia and AS, I saw the clouded archers in LFS feeding on floating, floating pellets and such. Thinking of putting a group in a larger outside tub this coming summer thoughts on temperature range jumpers they are jumpers yes if they get startled they'll jump yep if they get excited about food they'll jump so do be careful about that um temperature range um mid 70s to like 82 is the highest i've kept them at um if you check seriously fish no, they're not on Seriously Fish, are they? They come from more like Burma, uh, Myanmar. And so a lot of the fish that come from there can take it a little cooler. So they might be able to go down to the low 70s Fahrenheit, but, but check that before you do that. But a lot of those fish from that region can go cooler because it's more of a temperate area. Um, it's less tropical than where, where other fish come from. Bunny Viper, geez, thank you for the awesomeness. Hey, you're welcome. All the awesomeness I can muster. Josh, mustering his awesomeness as well. Eight minutes. We can do this. Paul Soltero, the hair algae must come in with some new plants, so it wasn't really well established, so the autos just ate it. Oh, yes, yes. I don't think they would, would have handled a full-blown... Full, geez. Whew, a full-blown outbreak. That makes sense, Paul. Yeah, if if you do have little bits of hair algae that are just kind of starting out, then autos could totally get to it. Yep, I agree with that. Jeffrey Watts. I'm not sure about the hair algae because I don't get any in that tank, but I see them eat everything, so they might not give it a chance. 
which species were we talking about there with the algae? Um, oh, we were talking about the uh, Sikiopus lagocephalus. Okay. So, so far, they've eaten every type of algae that Jeffrey has exposed them to is what it sounds like. Good to know. Sam McMichael, what is the best remedy for rainbows that fungus? The, I honestly think the best remedy for them is um, enough space and clean water. I, I think that often it's okay. So if they just went through shipping or something, give them clean water, they'll, they'll recover. It's very normal for them to get little mouth fungus during shipping because they're so active. They literally will just spend an hour just rubbing against the, the bag, um, trying to swim through it. They're not very bright. Gary Lane calls them, and this is not politically correct at all, but he's like, <laughs> they're dumb blondes, is his version of it. All you blondes out there, you are very intelligent. I'm not talking about you. But um, so they'll come in with stuff. But if they're well established and they're still getting it all the time, to me, that's a water quality issue and perhaps an environment size issue. They're very active. So if they're in too small of a tank, it's much more likely they're going to keep bumping their face. Um, in a four foot tank, most of them do pretty well. Um, full grown, there are some pretty darn big species though that you might want to go up to a six foot tank on. So that's my thoughts, just time and clean water. And if they're in a small tank, put them in a bigger tank. That generally works. Now salt works amazing. If there's no plants in the tank or anything, five grams of salt per liter of water. So five parts per thousand um, works really well too, to kind of help with that stuff. And the reason is anytime you have an open wound on a fish, adding salt helps because then anytime there's an open wound, like all the osmotic pressure focuses there and tries to rush into the fish, right? So a little salt can help with that. But generally in my experience with rainbow fish, clean water, time, and uh, a large enough environment usually cleans it up. Now it takes a while, but as long as it's not getting worse, you know, um, then you're probably on the right track. I don't think I've ever had one that with time didn't recover if it was kept in the right environment. I think that's true. A large percentage at least. All right. Gnarly Fish Tanks, GT Aquatics. Thank you for the advice. Much appreciated. You're welcome. Uh, hope it helps. Please keep in mind, folks, I'm just a hobbyist. Um, get other opinions before you do something that's uh, drastic, <laughs> but I'll tell you what I think based on my experience, but I'm just one guy. Abu Aziz, I never understood why people mess with pH. Oh, geez, Abu, and chat just jumped on me. Hang on. Let me try to get to it. There. Oh. <laughs> I just saw Abu say, sorry about my rant. Let's read the rant. Hang on. Hey, rants are good. I go off on them all the time. Um, hang on. I'm just trying to find it, Abu. Chat went berserk on me. There we are. I never understood why people mess with pH and keep measuring and tinkering with it. I personally think it's a recipe for disaster. I keep wild altums in 7.9 or 8 tap water. Never measured it. Yeah, that's, that's, Abu is succinctly saying what I was trying to express, I think. A, a species that is supposedly only going to thrive in really acidic soft water and Abu is keeping them successfully in highly alkaline water. Um, 
again, when I worked at that facility that had a pH of like nine and like water so hard, it would literally frost the inside of the glass within a couple of weeks. Like we had to constantly replace equipment, sponge filters would solidify. Like this was as hard as water gets. Um, in my experience anyway, in an aquarium. And we kept lots of soft water species there. We just kept it clean and we kept it steady. Okay. Sorry about my rant now. <laughs> my re-rant. <laughs> I'm re-ranting. <laughs> Boozies, another last rant. <laughs> Been keeping planted tanks for a while. Never measure pH changes overnight or over time. Sorry, I'm cranky today. <laughs> I like Abu when he's cranky because then he's like blatantly honest. Abu, you're fun when you're cranky. Yeah, no problems. I, I think you're just speaking the truth of your experience. That's fine. So much more valuable than the hearsay and repeat lore that we often get, right? When we're not talking directly from experience. So I welcome it. Danny Wetchy, Weshi, thinking of the fish as more of a vacuum to rent versus a living animal that gets stressed and deserves a good life. We get it. Yeah, that might be succinctly what I'm thinking. Not that I'm accusing that person of actually doing that, but just that's where, I'm, again, where my mind goes. Michael Meliere, suggestions for a showy pleco for my planted 75-gallon South American tank. Something smaller than a common pleco, but bigger and more showy than a standard bushy nose. Okay, I love the Sultan plecos, and they top out, if I remember right, let's go back to Planet Catfish like four inches so they don't get too big in fact that might be smaller than what you want so and play go top out at 3.9 inches call it four inches um let's try the um false zebra how big do these guys get ah okay hang on i'm gonna do this off screen I think these guys might get a little bigger. I'm just trying to make sure that, uh, that I remember exactly which one I have. Because I don't want to look up the wrong one. Okay. Okay, here we go. Um, so this is L173B. Okay, let's check that one out. That one might work. 173B Pleco Planet Catfish. Okay, let's see what they say. Oh, sorry. That's even smaller at about three inches. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm getting the size for you because it sounds like you want something um, bigger than a bushy. You know, I really like the Goldie Plecos. Um, they top out at what, about 14 inches. Those are really cool Plecos. So that's definitely smaller than a full grown bushy, but I don't know if that's too big than you want. There's a lot of them around that 9 to 10 inch range. Maybe a green phantom might be, or a blue phantom. One of the phantom species might be one. You know, I'm just not, I'm just not a huge expert in plecos. So that's what comes to mind, Michael. It's probably not as helpful as you deserve. Okay, one more, and then we're going to do this 
drawing and wrap it up. Austin's fish. I recently got some lampi rasboras. Do you have any advice experience with keeping them? Um, big groups. Um, are they fresh imports? If they're fresh imports, live foods might be helpful because they often come in skinny. And um, no, I, I mean, they're nope, pretty, pretty easy fish. So I can't think of anything like uh, specialized for them other than maybe some small life food to help get them going. And your tricky part's going to be the first two weeks. Once that's done, you should be pretty rock solid. But for the first two weeks, they can be a little shaky. Um, yeah, that's my thoughts on them. Okay, with that, um, okay. I've, I've got to um, I've got to disagree with Terry real quick. Terry's tropical tanks. You explain the osmotic pressure backwards. The more salt in the water makes the moisture in the fish want out, not in. Oh, well, you're talking about super salty water, like hyper saline water. So, so fish's saline level is about that of ocean water because life came from the ocean, right? And that hasn't changed. You and me, same thing. Our, our saltiness, our blood and all that, it's about the same salinity as the ocean. So you take a freshwater fish that has a salty body and you put it in fresh water, the pressure from outside wants to go in. That's why we get dropsy. Um, the, the fresh water is flowing into the fish. It can't control its osmotic um, regulation any longer. And so it, it bloats up and we get the pine coney, right? That's one reason for that. So if you add some salt to the water, the fresh water surrounding that fish, then it mitigates that pressure of the water going in. So the fish is salty. The fresh water wants to rush in to, um, to dilute that salty fish basically. So, um, yeah, yeah. So just to, just to clarify what I meant by that. Okay, let's do the drawing. We're over time. We are going to draw for some rapashi food, and the winner is KS. KS, out of 140 people, you are the lucky winner. If you would respond, let us know you're here. I'm here. Hey, what's up? I won something. Because you do have to be present to win. You've got about a minute to do that. Now, back to Terry's Tropical Tanks. We're not adding it five grams per liter or whatever we're putting in as a tonic in a freshwater species of fish. We're not adding so much salt into that water column that it's more saline than the body of the fish. If we did, if it was hypersaline, then you're right. Then it would dehydrate the fish. But we're not adding that much. So the, the concept is right. Really high salt content dehydrates things, right? That's how we you know, that's how we get beef jerky, I guess. I don't know. Um, salt meat, salt pork back in the day when we were on the whaling ship, right? So you're right. Hypersaline will do that, but we're not making the water um, saline enough to have a dehydration effect on the fish. We're just trying to keep the fresh water from trying to rush in as potently, I guess. All right. Dance fish. I am here says KS. Awesome. Glad you won. Send me an email, Dan. No. Yes, because I have to get it to Josh. Send me an email, dan at dancefish.com. Um, 
your first and last name and mailing address so I can send that off to Josh so he knows where to send your 12 ounces of Rapashi that you just won. All right. Thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks for Terry's Tropical Tanks for letting me use their pitcher and for all the comments. Um, thanks to Mamads for keeping the stream smooth sailing on my side. I see all the work you do, timing people out and correcting people when they do the hashtag wrong and all that. And I, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. All the super chats, always appreciated, never required. But hey, when money falls out of the sky, it's always fun. And all you lurkers, I'm with you. Hail the lurker nation. Everyone watching on the replay, thanks for watching. Hope you can be here live sometime. Happy New Year to you all. I hope you have a wonderful 2021. I know 2020 has been a, a struggle for a lot of folks. So I hope 2021 is better for you. And I will see you next Wednesday. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, have a good one. I'm doing this on the wrong screen. Ah! With that, bye-bye. <laughs>